Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Generally, you can tell a good twist when the audience enjoys it, usually when the creative team enjoys it, and most often when the actors enjoy it. When that doesn't happen, sometimes that might lead us to question the wisdom of the twist itself. And before we go on, no, not this is not just a list of 10 things Robert Beltran didn't like in Star Trek Voyager. That's gonna be its own list. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 Star Trek twists that the actors hated. Just really quickly, just before I go on, I just want to say a huge thank you once again to all of our subscribers out there. You guys make us able to do this. So you're all brilliant. Thanks so much. Yes, I'm talking to you. Uh, No, the one just behind you there. Yeah, legend, you, cool. Number 10, Garrick murders Wayun in cold blood. Jeffrey Combs. No one is going to say in front of me that What You Leave Behind is not a terrific episode, but there is one actor who who didn't like one aspect of the episode, and that is the main Vorta himself, Jeffrey Combs. When Garrick, Kira, and Damar's troops storm Dominion headquarters, Garrick and Kira are effectively the only ones who make it as far as the main control center. Now, in there, they find a couple of Jem'Hadar, the female changeling, and of course, Wayun. Wayun sardonically asks, where is his old friend Damar? He would really like to see him again. Garrick says, he's dead. Wayun decides to insult Cardassia. Oh, Wayun. Garrick pulls out his phaser and shoots him in cold blood. Now, while that may seem like a fairly standard Tuesday for a Garrick action, Jeffrey Combs was not thrilled with how his character was written out of the show. Frankly, he wanted to have some sort of struggle that ended up with him killed in the course of that. Now, Wayun was never a fighter, so potentially it could have been him ordering his troops to continue the assault on Cardassia or telling the Jem'Hadar to fight to the bitter end in orbit of the planet. But no, he says the wrong thing at the wrong time and he gets shot for it. And for Coombs, he was a bit... mm, He was a bit bummed with that. But he did recognise that for Garrick's character, it was perfect. He just wished he didn't have to be on the receiving end of that phaser. Number nine. Sulu is gay. George Takei. In Star Trek Beyond, it was announced that one of the characters was going to be LGBT as a celebration of many things, really. But George Takei's activism for the Gay Rights Alliance was part of the reason. So they chose Sulu to be that character. 
Now, George Takei famously came out of the closet in the mid-2000s, having had to have spent all of his time acting as Sulu, effectively both in the closet and also kind of publicly closeted. He, he had spoken to Gene Roddenberry about it, and he had spoken to Gene Roddenberry about the idea of introducing gay characters. Gene apparently said that he wanted to do that, but he was faced with the limitations of what the network would allow. One might assume that Takei would be overjoyed that Star Trek Beyond was not only featuring a gay character, but that his own character's namesake, if you like, was going to be the one chosen for this. However, he thought it was very unfortunate. You see, whatever else Takei is, he is someone who absolutely respects the vision of Gene Roddenberry. And in Gene Roddenberry's vision, Hikaru Sulu was straight. Simon Pegg, who co-wrote Star Trek Beyond, respectfully disagreed in the media, saying that just because a character had never openly acknowledged their sexuality before, it didn't make it a retcon to make Sulu gay now. For example, on screen, we never saw Demora Sulu's mother in the Prime universe, whereas we see Demora as a little girl in Star Trek Beyond. So it really comes down to a case of, we can respect Takei's opinion of wanting to keep Roddenberry's legacy going. We can respect Pegg's opinion of, it doesn't necessarily make it a retcon to introduce a new aspect of a character. And it may have to be a agree to disagree moment. Let us know what you thought in the comments. Number eight. Captain Kirk falls to his death, William Shatner. Star Trek Generations, it gets a lot of hate. Now, personally, I think it's aged very well. Uh, I remember seeing it in the cinema when I was a little boy, and I remember seeing it on Blu-ray a couple of days ago. I have continued watching this movie ever since. I have a lot of fond memories for it. Having said that, I can understand that Captain Kirk has a very small role in this film, which is effectively to die. Rick Berman wanted this film to be a Next Generation film, but when they were breaking the story front, Ronald D. Moore, Brian Braga, they wanted to have a passing of the torch, and they originally envisioned Spock, Kirk, and McCoy appearing in the film. Now, for various reasons, Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly were not in the film, but William Shatner signed on. Now, the way he described it is that he was given an option. You can appear in the film and die, or you can not appear in the film and die. So, not liking the script, not particularly liking the direction the character was taken, he did like the money. So he's openly taken it for the cash. Now, William Shatner has never been shy about expressing his opinions on Star Trek, but he did seem to have extra opinions on this because he felt that Kirk was an American TV icon to the point where he asked Malcolm McDowell while writing one of his memoirs, how did it feel to kill an American TV icon? McDowell had some comments. Number seven, Voyager's sudden return home, Robert Beltran. Now, we were always gonna to get to Robert Beltran on this list because he has been, it, on the one hand, he's been refreshingly honest in how he felt about the decisions that were made on Star Trek Voyager. He, you know, if he didn't like something, he would say it, and he would also say it publicly, which, as the consuming mass, I have to say, 
I have enjoyed reading some of those quotes sometimes. On the other hand, he got himself a bit of a reputation for a whinger. I think there is merit to some of the complaints that he had, that some of the characters were left a bit short in the later seasons. That is true. That Chakotay's character kind of wandered toward the end. That is true. And also, he was very unhappy with Endgame as a finale. The episode is really good if you enjoy Janeway, The Doctor, and Seven of Nine. It's not as good if you are looking for a big Chakotay story or a big Harry Kim story. You know, I mean, he's there, he gets a few moments, but Beltran went on to say, this is what we're going out on? Voyager suddenly comes across this magic portal in space that brings them right back to their doorstep and then there's no time whatsoever to even ruminate on the fact that they're back in the Alpha Quadrant. It's a bit understandable. The entire seven years of this show was about Voyager's journey to get home. However, I don't think anybody expected the last shot to be getting home. We, we thought possibly we'd get a little bit of a breathing time. Now, this is something that we are really looking forward to seeing discussed in the upcoming documentary, To The Journey, which was made by the same people as made What We Left Behind, and I am so excited. Number six, Tasha Yar dies, Patrick Stewart. Denise Crosby, of course, originated the role of Tasha Yar in Encounter at Farpoint, and she played her for most of the first season of The Next Generation. While she did return for two other episodes as Tasha Yar, and of course, two other episodes as Commander Sela, three unifications to her, she wasn't happy when it got to the end of season one. She felt that she was effectively just set dressing, that all she did was open hailing frequencies, fire the odd torpedo, and that was pretty much it. In fact, she said that if they had painted a mural of her legs and slotted it in behind Picard's head, that would have done pretty much the same job that she was doing on the set of the bridge. She went to Jean Roddenberry and she said she wanted out. She was a bit fed up and she wanted to see other, you know, career possibilities. Jean decided that he would shock the audience by killing her off in a brutal, sudden fashion, which of course he did in the episode Skin of Evil. And there was one person who was very unhappy about this. Patrick Stewart described the decision to axe Denise Crosby as a huge mistake, a complete failure on the parts of pretty much everyone on the negotiating team. I mean, with some obvious exceptions, think of how many people have left the show with open-ended, you know, invites to come back. This was pretty definitive, and it took a lot of dimension hopping to get her back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Number five, Spock can't tell the difference. Leonard Nimoy. Star Trek The Original Series' third season is a mixed bag. It's got some classic episodes. Let That Be Your Last Battlefield is flipping brill. It's also got Spock's brain. So, you know, you take the bad with the good here. Whom Gods Destroy comes in somewhere in the middle. We get introduced to Garth of Izar, who, of course, would go on to be a fairly large character in a fairly well-known fan production online. But what's more than that is we get some immortal lines. For example, we have Kirk and a duplicate Kirk standing in front of Spock, one of whom says, shoot us both, Spock. And there you go, you know, straight away, that's Kirk. That's the smart thing to do. You know, Kirk would never put anyone in danger. Great. Leonard Nimoy was not happy that this is what it took to convince Spock of who the real Kirk was. He felt and expressed his feelings in several memos at the time that Spock would know his captain. He would know him well enough that he wouldn't have to resort to guessing games, which is what happens in the episode. In the end, he asks the, whoever the real Kirk is going to be to give the answer to the call sign up to the Enterprise, which lets the Enterprise know it's safe to beam down. It's a chess move. Now, Garth in Kirk's form says, oh, any captain could guess that, you know, that means nothing. And there's a bit of that. So Spock decides to sit down and kind of chill out. It is a very strange decision for the character. And well, he gets a chair across the head for it. So maybe Nimoy shouldn't have put it in those memos. Number four, Archer lets the Valakians die, John Billingsley. Dear Doctor is actually one of the better episodes of Star Trek Enterprise's first season, or of course Enterprise as it was called then. It's an epistolary episode where Phlox is really front and centre. The Valakians and the Menk are two species that share the same planet, one of whom is effectively subservient to the other, but the other being at an evolutionary dead end. They're all sick and they're all dying. And of course, they're crying out for help. Dr. Phlox manages to find a, a cure is potentially the wrong description for it because it, in the same way that Storm in X-Men 3, yes, that is actually a film, says there's nothing to cure because there's nothing wrong with us. Technically, it's the same situation here. They've just reached the end of the road. In the original script, Dr. Phlox found this cure and elected not to give it to them or to let anybody know that he had found it because he felt it would be messing with nature. However, the network had no interest in another character taking the central stage at this point in the show. They wanted it to be on Archer. Now, while Archer ends up making the decision not to give this treatment to the Valakians, Billingsley felt it weakened Phlox a little bit that he had to run to his captain and, you know, couldn't make a decision for himself. While it was a big decision, he much preferred the original ending. And I have to be honest, I agree with the man. I think it would have made Phlox 
a lot more complicated as a character. Number three, Dr. Bashir's genetic enhancements, Alexander Siddig. This is a little bit of a, a bit of a muddling one because while the genetic enhancements would go on to become a large part of Dr. Bashir's story for seasons six and seven of Deep Space Nine, they were effectively a Friday night decision the Monday before the episode was due to shoot. Now, okay, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but Alexander Siddig describes it as incredibly late in the day that he was told about this decision for the character. Ira Stephen Bear, for example, says that while they were midway through the season and writing In Purgatory Shadow by Inferno's Light, they had no idea that Bashir was genetically engineered. However, just a couple of episodes later in Dr. Bashir, I presume, this big revelation comes out that technically Bashir's been living a lie the whole time. Now, while this is an aspect of the character that deserved exploration and gave characters a great time to shine, Siddig was incredibly pissed off that he was given such little notice for such a polar change in his character. Dr. Bashir up to that point had just been eager and really, really bright. He'd mellowed a little bit over the years, but that's what he was. Now he was being asked to play this character who had actually been hiding the secret for the entirety of the show and also he was being given only a few days notice to imbue that in his performance. He was not happy, not in the revelation itself, but in the way that it was all written and the way that it was all handled. Number two, Icheb's fate, Manu Interayami. Stardust City Rag was a fairly shocking episode of Star Trek Picard. It opens with the brutal death of Icheb and also concludes with Seven shooting someone in cold blood. This isn't the Star Trek I remember when I was a kid, but it was a bold new direction to take the characters in. 20 years have gone by. Guys, stuff happens. People change. Arguably, Icheb changed more than anyone because he had a completely different face in this episode. In fact, it was Casey King. It wasn't Manu Interiyami at all. Over the years, Interiyami has had a couple of public personal issues that effectively barred him from being invited back onto the show. He was quite upset about this and made his feelings known on Twitter. While one of the personal issues involved conflict with another actor, they have since resolved that, but it was too late for Icheb. Therefore, when Horicheb was seen having his eye pulled out of his body and then euthanized by Seven, this to Interiami was a kick in the teeth. It closed the door on him ever returning to Star Trek and frankly, it hurt him. People seem quite divided on how they feel about whether they should have brought him back, if it was just for a cameo or nope, producers made the exact right decision. What do you think? Let us know in the comments below if you think that it was right not to bring him back or if they should have brought him for just that scene. What I think about that scene is that I was not ready to see an eyeball being pulled out first thing in a Star Trek episode. Number one, Jadzia dies. Terry Farrell. This is potentially one of the greatest injustices in Star Trek. And I realize that's a hell of a statement. So please feel free to drop some sort of, uh, <laughs> drop some other injustices into the comments below. But for this one, this is such a shame because it was handled so badly. 
Terry Farrell, after six years of starring on Deep Space Nine, she wanted to throttle back a little bit. She didn't want to be front and center starring role in every episode. She approached Rick Berman and the producers and asked if she could either move down to a recurring role or even a guest starring role. They flatly denied. Now that left her in an awkward position. She was basically given a take it or leave it. It was you are either in every episode of season seven or you are in no episodes of season seven. That's it. And she wasn't given long to decide. Now she described as well a situation, a very nasty situation that arose where she would be getting ready to film a scene and the phone would ring and it would be the producers going, have you decided yet? Have you decided yet? What's going on? And she said it was horrible to the point where she said, fine, I'm out, I'm out. Maybe you could leave the door open. Jadzia Dax is to date the only main Star Trek character who's been killed off and hasn't returned in some form. She was also not featured in the montage in What You Leave Behind, whereas Nicole DeBerra's Esri Dax was. I love Esri, by the way, no hate. It was, it was a poorly handled situation. It was a rotten twist. And to be honest, yep, she's got every right to feel pretty pissed off about that one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.